did Jesus accept you before you were saved? Does he still accept you? Did he have an answer for you before you were saved? Does he still have an answer for you? God never changes. His love never stops reaching out to you. What that means is this. God is love. And when he's reaching out to you, it's not just an intellectual experience. It is a love experience. And let me explain that to you for a moment. Love, one of the Greek words of love means assessing the situation. Another Greek word means answering the situation. Love has an assessment, but love has a provision. Love has an assessment, but love has that which is greater than where the circumstances are and has the solution. So when we say, when, the, when God he says God is love, he is not without solutions. He is not without the ability to help us. He does make assessment of our life, but I thank God because of the cross He reaches out in grace. The Holy Spirit, the Father sent the Holy Spirit with very specific instructions. He didn't, he said, well, yeah, we're going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray the Father. Him and I are going to send the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we're just going to send him. No, he came with specific instructions. Just like Jesus came with specific instructions, so the Holy Spirit came with specific instructions. And it's important for us to know what the Father said about the Holy Spirit and why he sent him. I remember when I lived on the farm and my dad would give us instructions. And we believed our, I believed my dad. For instance, I was six years old and I wanted to milk the cow in the worst way. I regretted it later. <laughs> but I was shown how to milk a cow. And you know, a six-year-old doesn't have very big hands. And, and you're, you're sure. <coughs> A little better dribble comes out, you know. But my dad heard my words and said, okay, here's how you do it. Well, how my dad could do it was different than how I could do it. He could just, well, after a while, I could do that too, but not at the beginning. And I remember one time my dad, he slept in, and my brother and I, we went out, and I said to my oldest brother, I says, let's just start the combine and let's just go for it. <laughs> That's the kind of person I am. We go and do it. And so 
Pete says, do you think so? I says, absolutely. You know how to drive this thing. I just blew him right up to it. He had confidence. He got in there and fired that thing up, and I'm riding on the ladder, and he is combining. Dad comes driving out to the field, and he's going. But see, we watched him, and he modeled how to drive the combine, not in a program. We were his sons. And um, so we stopped, and he, he checked things out. And, of course, he checked to see if there was any grain flying out the back, so he'd have to adjust the sieves and the fan and all that stuff. Uh, it's, it's good to go, he says. And then he gave us some instructions of what to watch for and be careful of. And we, and we just did it. And I, I, I just... <laughs> As, as a young person, nothing was impossible for me. We could drive the combine. Uh, we could take a yearling heifer and ride it. Because we saw our dad ride a cow. Whatever my dad did, I thought, you know what, I can do that too. Especially my younger brother and I, we could do anything. We watched him break horses, so we thought, you know, we can do that too. I mean, we're kids. Nine years old, eight years old, ten years old. We lasso a horse that had never been broken before in our corral. And, but we saw Dad. And we anchored that lasso to the bottom of one of the posts of the corral, and that horse pulled until he actually fell over. Mom comes running out, what are you guys doing? Don't kill that horse. It's like, well, Dad wasn't too concerned about horses dying as much as he was them submitting. <laughs> and finally the horse gets up and shakes himself, he didn't pull on the rope no more. And so, it's just like our Heavenly Father. He has instructions for us. And they work. And I think he's looking, <laughs> he's looking for guys that can just say, you know what, I can do this. Because he said so. I can do this because my father does it. I, I can do this. I think that's the most exciting way to live. Other than that, I think everything's boring. It's like, so I always look for an opportunity to learn. Never stop learning. Just learn, 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 because there's so much to learn. There are things that I am actually aspiring to learn and to see actually happen that my Jesus did. And so, just think of it. If he was right here today, what would you think he would say to you? Well, I think he would say to you what he authored. He's the author and finisher of our faith. 
He never wrote a book. But he authored life. He authored a way of life. And then he says, follow me. He would say to all of us this morning, the works that I do, you can do. He would say that to every one of us. There wouldn't be one person here that he would leave out. Not one. And when you think of the 12 that the Father gave him, they were so diverse, it's a wonder they got along. But they're all counted in. It doesn't matter if you know everything, like Peter. It doesn't matter if you're outspoken like Peter. It doesn't matter if you're like Thomas, who couldn't believe nothing unless he could see it and touch it. It didn't matter if you're like John, he just wanted to love everybody. If Jesus was here today, he would say to us exactly what he said to his disciples. I'm going to pray and the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. And you're going to receive power. And you shall be my witnesses in Abbotsford. You see, the Holy Spirit opens up cities. The Holy Spirit opens up nations. The Holy Spirit is so key to the success and fruitfulness of our life. He is the key to everything we aspire to achieve because he is the executor of the estate that Jesus has left us. And yet we spend such little time learning about him, reading about him. Even Paul talked about the communion of the Holy Spirit fellowshipping with him, becoming intimate with the Holy Spirit. He has been sent here in place of Jesus. Not to replace Jesus, in place of Jesus. Because Jesus was limited, he could only go wherever, but the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And so when they said they're going to send the Holy Spirit, the word send there means he is summoned. He is summoned to be in you, beside you, and upon you. It's the summons of the courts of heaven that enacted an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that imposed himself on the disciples and on Jesus, and they turned the world upside down. And I believe God is looking for a people that will say, I believe you. See, we say we believe, but when it comes right down to what I can do, well, I don't know. Well, you know what? You're questioning the Messiah. You're questioning the very scriptures that are there to cause us to actually have faith to actually do it. But we live in denial because we look at ourselves. 
We look at our failures. We look at our weaknesses. We look at what we can't do. Well, you know what? That's a good position to be in because that means you're poor in spirit. And according to Matthew, then you're ruled by the king. The inability to perform is the ability to believe. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, not in me, but in him. I, I just can't get over how important the Holy Spirit is. There's one aspect of the Holy Spirit's ministry that I'm looking to learn, and that was Jesus never ever prayed for the sick. They came to him, they said, what can I do for you? He never prayed for the demon possessed. Uh, he put mud in their eyes and told them to go wash. But here's what, here's what I see happen. Jesus says, I don't say anything and I don't do anything except what I hear my father say and what I see him doing. So the Holy Spirit became very important in the life of Jesus. And he is very important in our life as well. Because here's what happened. The guy comes and says, you know, my kid is at home, and the demons are throwing him around, and da, 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 da. And he says, but you know, you don't have to come to my house. And Jesus said, man, that, that's great faith. But here's how Jesus responded. He said, uh, it's done, you can go home. How did he know it was done? Well, there's only one thing that tells me. There's, there's two, th three things that Jesus said. He said, I don't do anything except what I see my father do, and I don't say anything except what I hear my father say because my father does the work. Wow. <laughs> Did you know that Jesus didn't do the work? He just cooperated with the father. I am really learning. I want to learn that. I want to learn that. I want to, I want to be able to hear the Father say, you know what, it's done. Tell, tell them they can go home. He said we could do what he did. That's one level of anointing I want to reach to. I'd, I'd like to get there. I'd like to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that I can hear the voice of the Father when somebody comes with a need. And I can hear the Father speak to me concerning that need. And so when I got on this track, I think, oh, okay, now I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, but I need to hear the voice of my Father. So for two months, I'm trying to hear the voice of the Father. The only problem is I discovered that he speaks through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, I already hear that. So I'm already hearing the Father. Hmm. So, what I want to do is I want to hear the Father in situations where someone's got a need. And I want to know what the Father's doing. The Holy Spirit, if you just think about it, I said this last Sunday, we're sitting here and according to scripture, the Holy Spirit is beside every one of us. Right now, he's right here. He's the para, means beside, right alongside of us. He is right here with you right now. We don't have to conjure him up. We don't have to beg. 
We just have to be sensitive. But we have to believe what Jesus said. He said the Paracletus is going to come. And he's going to be right here. So he is standing right here. And he's sitting beside every one of you right here. Right now. We become so belief-minded that we forget the reality of what is actually happening right now at this moment. So sometimes we don't concentrate on the moment. Actually, if we do concentrate on the moment, it would be because there's a problem. But to concentrate on the moment to realize Holy Spirit, you're just standing right beside me. You're in me. You're on me. That's scripture. That's the teaching of Jesus. The instructions of the Father of Heaven says, Holy Spirit, I want you to go down. I want you to stand beside every believer. And I want you to encourage them, empower them. I want you to teach them. I want you to lead them. I want you to show you them things to come. There are several things. And I've been studying them. And I say, Holy Spirit, this is, Father, this is how you want me, how you want me to receive the Holy Spirit's activity in my life. Not how I relate to him, but how he actually has been summoned to relate to me. Did you, do, do we realize that he's been summoned to empower us? To be witnesses. That's not just a testimony, folks. See, we've watered down the word witness to just some words. No. The witness of the Holy Spirit in us. The witness of the words of Jesus in us to society. It's not just, well, you know, you're lost, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. That's not a witness. That's just a fact. To be witnesses of Jesus is to actually believe what he said and that it manifest. It says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. When Jesus is manifested, the enemy is usually destroyed. So why wouldn't we want the manifestation? I won't answer that question because I don't have an answer. But he has been summoned to walk by our side. The Father sent the Holy Spirit with, with specific instructions. And here's what Jesus said to the disciples. He is going to lead you. Wow. I, I've been on a journey of learning how to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me. He will teach you. There is an education in the kingdom of God that only the Holy Spirit can give.
And it's not a head knowledge. It's actually an understanding of activity. It's like this morning, I had this, I had this heaviness, and I just, I, I'm learning the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. I'm learning to, to what does it mean that, that I'm feeling like this, Lord? And I ask the questions because I want to learn. And there's a constant learning about our life in the Holy Spirit that you can never get in a classroom, you could never get from a preacher, ever. Because he is the personal, divine power that has the ability to teach us things that are absolutely infallible. And so to, to actually allow him to lead us is the first step to learning. It's the first step to understanding what that means. And often when that happens, and then the gifts kick in, the, the fruit kicks in, and all of a sudden our education begins to grow. And the Ephesian church were in need of this type of experience because in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Paul is praying that the power that raised Jesus from the dead that was constantly coming to them would be their reality. The scripture says the Holy Spirit gives life. The flesh profits Zippo. I have nothing of myself that can add anything to the kingdom of God. Other than the Holy Spirit in me that actually manifests the kingdom of God. And, and, and God is waiting for us, folks. He is waiting for us with passion to come after what he said. To begin to pursue the Father's, the Father's instructions is your call. The Father's instructions concerning the Holy Spirit is your way of life. Isn't that exciting? The Father has planned our life by the instructions he gave the Holy Spirit. He has actually set in motion how we can follow him, how we can learn from him, how we can see what the Father's doing, how we can hear the Father, everything. I think Life in the Spirit is so exciting and it's so adventurous that we never ever come to an end of learning. And not only that, but his fruit of love and joy and kindness and long-suffering and gentleness. I mean, we need that. We need that fruit flowing out of our life. He is, he is not just love. He's the manifestation of love. 
He's the one that brings the love from heaven into reality on earth. He's the one that brings everything that the Father wills to be done to actually happen through our lives. And the Father, I believe the Father's sitting in heaven right now saying, I love you all, and I have this instruction for your life. And I believe if he was here today, he would say, I want you to go to what I have said in my word, and I want you to begin to read about the Holy Spirit and learn. I believe that's what he would say to us. He wouldn't say anything different. In fact, I don't know if he'd even ask us what we believed. Because I'm not sure it'll make sense to him. No kidding. Now, if I tell him I don't know, that would make sense to him. But to think I know it all and to think I can, I, that I can actually tell God what what's really true and real, the only thing that's really true and real is what he said. That's the only thing that's true and real. That's the only thing that the Father will actually, has sent the Holy Spirit to actually manifest that on the earth. And he is waiting for you and I to venture into this journey with the Holy Spirit. Just think of this. His love never turns anyone away. His love always looks for a solution. I was just talking with my friend from the Yukon last night, and, and he said to me, you know, one of the things that are lacking in church is that we don't care for one another to the point where we're actually looking for solutions for other people. And, and I, I just... To me, the Holy Spirit has become so precious. So precious. He is greater than my failure. He is greater than what I believe. He is greater than my weakness. He's greater than my successes. He is greater, greater, greater. And when I think of the work that the Holy Spirit has already done, and this is what the Ephesian church needed to learn, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is right here, right now. Just think of that. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that took this body that was unconscious, dead, no life, buried in a tomb, came in there and resurrected that body, destroyed that was, was what the flesh was, and caused that body to rise into heaven. And you know what happened at that moment? He was seated at the right hand of the Father. And here's, 
Here is what our reality is, folks. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and has the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power from heaven came down upon that dead body and caused it to come to resurrection life, eternal life, life that never ends, life that never sees death again, life that nothing can hold it back, life that goes through walls. is constantly coming toward us, according to Ephesians chapter 1. And there's a life in the Spirit that has resurrection power, and here's what the resurrection power did. It took Jesus out of that grave, gave him resurrection life, glorified body, and seated him at the right hand of the Father. Above all principalities and powers and dominions, above all sickness, above all depression, above all failure, there is nothing that hasn't been defeated, folks. And then on top of it, it says that he made us sit up there with him. In reality, we sit at a position where everything is conquered already. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't explain that to you and I can't define it to you. But I can actually read it to you out of the word. But to tell you that I know everything about it is a lie. Because I'm just discovering it and I am so excited. Because there is a power in heaven that is greater than any other power on this earth. And you and I are partakers of it. And you and I are called to walk and to follow him. Let him come upon you. Let him impose himself on your life. And let him take you where you need to go. See, being led of the Spirit is not just where you're going. Because the Father said to the Holy Spirit, Jesus has to go into the wilderness. And the Holy Spirit took him along with him into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, Jesus faces the temptations that Adam and Eve faced. And he never ever talked to the devil. He just quoted the scripture verse. And at his weakest point in his humanity, after 40 days of not eating, and he was weak, he was tempted, but by the power of resurrection, he defeated the temptations that brought Adam and Eve down. And those temptations have been totally conquered. Man. Sometimes I think we're more imposed with peach fuzz than power. 
No kidding. Like it's, I, I'm talking about myself. It's like, come on, Nelson. He made you sit up there. I remember why I was a little out of sorts one day, and my wife says, why don't you just take your seat where you belong up there? <laughs> my wife dares to say certain things. But it is... Uh, our Father in heaven loves us so much and he would look at us and he'd say my children I have given the Holy Spirit instructions find out what they are learn what they are and follow them enact them in your life and so Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church oh that, the, that God would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What that means in a short sentence is this. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you everything that Jesus did. And, you know, whether you like it or not, you're seated up there. Because it said he made you. And so. <sighs> discouragement. Failures. Mistakes. Blunders. Intended failures. Unintended failures. We all go through that, don't we? But here's what I find about my life. Sometimes I live there. Sometimes my failures linger longer than they should. Sometimes they don't. But here's the point. The point is this. Failure affects our conscience. And our conscience is the sacred place where God has cleansed by his blood. And so failure brings a violation. And sometimes the violation is to deteriorate our confidence in him. I don't know about you, but that's been my reality. Well, I don't know if God can use me now. Well, I don't know. It's like... Good Lord. I don't ever read the scriptures where God says that my mistake actually disqualifies me. A lot of preachers do. But my God has a solution. And it's called forgiveness. It's called repentance. It's called come to the throne of grace boldly in time of need. And I'll help you. And I think a spirit-led life will always go there first. Amen? A spirit-led life will always come to the throne. Do you know that God never says, come to the altar? Altars are with, over with, folks. There's a throne. 
Abraham built an altar. Lots of people built an altar. But the, the veil's been rent. The way into the heaven is wide open. And Hebrews says, come to the throne of grace. In time of need. And I believe the Holy Spirit will take us there every time. He will, he will prompt us to come to the throne because I have answers and solutions and I have power and victory for you at the throne. But we live a subservient life to the flesh that we should never live. It's almost like we think that God didn't know we were going to fall and make a mistake. When actually he knew everything about you before you, he even created anything. And he knew we were going to fall. He knew we were going to intentionally sin after we get saved. He knew it all. So why didn't he reject us then? Because he loves you. Because he has a love that has a solution. Not a rejection. But a solution that brings us into a love relationship that goes on and on and on every day. And it becomes more meaningful as we grow in him. Here's what the Father says through the Holy Spirit to Jesus. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to show you things to come. He's going to empower you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to walk right with you. The Father summoned, heaven summoned the Holy Spirit to relate with us how the Father described it would be. And I think what we need to do in our own hearts, this is what I would encourage you to do. Go to the book of John in chapter 14 and 16, chapter 7, and study what the Father had to say about the Holy Spirit. You read it. You meditate on it. You regurgitate it. You desire it. And the next thing you know, you're doing it. Amen. That's life in the Spirit. It's not ten steps in, three steps out. It's not a twelve-step program. Like Pastor David said, it's a one-step program. Right to the throne. <laughs> you made a mistake? One step. Well, I don't know if God will hear me, and I don't know if he accepts me, and I don't know. No, 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 no. You know, it's almost, like, it's almost like we impose on God our attitude and our perspective of what he's really like. Somebody said to me the other day, and uh, maybe I shouldn't go here. Um, I'm going to go there anyway. Here's a struggle among us Christians. My wife and I were talking to a lady in the ABC restaurant. 
She says, yeah, I went to church and I, I backslid. I said, well, tell me, what was the church like? She said, boring. <laughs> I said, oh, you mean you withdrew? Oh, never thought of that. We're so quick to brand people. We just brand them. <laughs> Backslidden, no good, sinner, dump, dump. It's almost like it's almost like we become God. When actually one step to the throne and your problem is forgiven. One step to the throne and all heaven's powers released to help you. Isn't that awesome? I, I have to stop. I, I have a hard time stopping. Somebody asked me this morning, are you prepared? Well, does this look like I was prepared? And I said to them, if you're constantly studying, you'll always have something to give. So I, I believe the Lord would say to you today, your heavenly Father would say to every one of us today, he looks down and he says, you know what? You're all in the same boat. <laughs> I'm the captain of the good ship Grace. I guide it through the storms. You're in my boat. You're all the same. You all have the same weaknesses and you all have the same problems, but you know what? You're in my boat. You're in my boat on my journey with my instructions. Find out what they are and let them become a part of your life. Amen? Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your blessing upon our lives, Lord. Father, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we really want to learn about you. The Father said that you're our leader, that you're our teacher. You're, you're, you're the one that comforts us. You're right with us. You're, you're, the, you're our divine ability to do what actually needs to be done. So Holy Spirit, we just receive you as such. We yield to the words of the Father's instructions of your life toward us. And I ask your blessing upon everyone. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit increase to the point, Lord, where this place is not big enough, this city is not big enough, this nation isn't big enough to restrain your people that are led by your Spirit. In Jesus' name.